That's hard for me. That one's hard. Yes, Nancy. I definitely don't know this one. You can come up here and sing for us. No? <laughs> oh, well, I tried. <laughs> Amen. Do I know this one? <laughs> Did you say 319? Okay, we're going to. Give it a shot. There is a song called Guy similar to that, but it's not written like this. Is that the tune you thought? Uh, you don't want me to. No, no, no. Anticipation, yes, <laughs> it's two, 291. 291. That looks even easier for me. Yeah, that's the one we know. Yeah, this is the one we know. Got it. All right, here we go. 291, sing out. Help me out. Here we go.
Brother Allen, would you open us in prayer, please? Amen. Please do be seated. All right, I'm going to ask a trivia question. Does anybody need to give to the offering? All right, we will forego that. All right. We have another favorite? I'm letting the adults have a chance here. 146 in the red.
Amen. All right, preach fast. Y'all need a nap, right? Okay, I can go long. Good. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. context of this portion of scripture when you get there is probably just cross the page here but the context is uh, is uh, chapter 17 verse 20 and they asked Jesus a question here it says and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come he answered them and said the kingdom of God cometh not with observation meaning you're not going to see the kingdom of God come at least at that time today the kingdom of God is within us and uh if you will, the kingdom is associated with the king. If you know Christ is your savior, he's, he's in your heart. He's sitting on the throne of your heart. And uh, he should be, uh, if you will. But they were talking about, of course, Jesus' second coming. We've been talking a little bit about prophecy. Tonight's message is not about prophecy. I'm just giving you context. But uh, been talking about a little bit about prophecy. And prophecy is really focused on when Jesus is coming. We know this for the church, or at least in the church age, this, 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 this dispensation, that he's coming in the air for his own. Amen. There's going to be a shout. It's going to call us out. Don't know about you, but I'd just soon go to that than to go take a nap. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, if that was to happen today, and by the way, it could happen today, folks. We really need to realize the signs of the times are everywhere. We need to open up our eyes be quite honest with you, we have a very narrow focus in that we are Americans. We care about America. Uh, we need to realize God's more focused on Israel. That's the apple of his eye. I'm not going to take and, and focus too much on that. But the whole point, I think we can acknowledge that we are in the last days and, and we're getting close to Jesus' coming. And so Jesus then talks to his disciples in chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. And he says this, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, uh, there was a cry, there was in the city a judge, excuse me, which uh, feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now notice this. This is somebody crying out for deliverance. Y'all understand that? That's the only thing you really need to get from this widow, is a widow crying out for deliverance. And the judge doesn't care anything about her. That's what the Bible says. So in verse 6, the Bible says this. It says, And the Lord said, Hear ye what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Meaning, don't you think that God's better than that unjust judge? Y'all understand that? And so he's saying, listen, if, if somebody who doesn't care about you gets tired of your constant praying, well, how much more who a God who does care about you, who actually hears what you're asking for, how much more is he willing to deliver you? But having said that, to be quite honest with you, it's very easy for us to get caught up in, uh, the, uh, I, uh, the only word I can think of is a fancy German word, and I don't want to use fancy German words here. But it basically means the spirit of the age, okay? It means the spirit of the age. And the spirit of the age that we live in is we're kind of overwhelmed with possessions, and we're kind of selfish, and 
we're kind of got our, you know, our, our blinders on, if you will. And God is asking a question here, this. He says, I care, okay? But here's his question in verse 8. In verse 8, he says this. Uh, well, verse 7, just so you can see, it says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry unto him day and night? We read that. Verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. And then he stops. He says, I have this underlined in my Bible, because I think it's an important verse. In verse 8, the Bible says there, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, when he comes, shall he find faith on the earth? Meaning, will he still have people who are willing to cry to him for deliverance? That's the context of this passage of Scripture. And call, cry to him for his soon coming. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 16, that we should, they're going to cry out in that day, even so, Lord, come quickly. Would to God that that would be the spirit of our age in our, in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to take and, and just sing your praises. I thank you for all that we, we sang about, that sweet hour of prayer. and Father, just uh, you know, the peace that we can have by knowing you as our God. And Father, we just th thank you for the fellowship that we can have by walking in that garden and, and just praying and talking and having you speak to us through your word. Father, just uh, meet with us now. Be with those who are apart from us. You know every need. And Father, we just pray that you would be glorified. Father, help us to not be like the people of this age, but Father, to be people who uh, are yours and love you and are looking for your com coming and are crying out for deliverance. And Father, we just ask this now in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I just kind of want to touch quickly on, you know, end-time faith. He asks a rhetorical question in some ways. He's saying in verse 8, he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? That faith, if you will, of course, is the ability to believe, to get saved. Uh, I was uh, recently uh, doing a Bible study, and, and I, I won't... Uh, I won't develop it too much, but um, when we bring our offerings unto the Lord, we bring according to the harvest, okay? And if you will, when we bring our, our, our offerings, first thing we're supposed to bring are first fruits, meaning you bring the very best, the very first, the very first, the very best. And then once you give your first and your best to the Lord, he then gives you a harvest, why don't you think about that? He says, the harvest is yours. Just bring me your first and bring, your, bring me your best. And I will tell you that, that when it talks about faithfulness, would to God that we would have that spirit of the harvest, that we would give our first and our best unto the Lord when it comes to things of God. Give the first and the best part of our day. And I don't know about you. Some people are morning people. Some are night people. I, I know this. Some people, it would be better for them to get up at 6 in the morning and, and have their devotions because then they're fresh and, and, and not distracted. I understand that. I'm kind of the opposite. I always waited until all the kids went to bed and it finally got quiet in the house and so I could have my devotions at night. That's kind of, for me, the first and the best. But, uh, uh, but, you know, if you will, it's just that offering, the first and the best. When it comes to our Bible reading, I'm just going to ask you a question. I mean, how much did you read your Bible this week? It's not really about the quantity, it's more about the quality. I, I would tell you this, I think it would be a lot better for you to read a paragraph and to know it very well than to read whole books and not know anything when you got done. And so when you talk about first and best, am I giving my first and my best with God speaking to me? Am I giving my first and my best when I'm talking to him? You know, quite often we, 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 we're supposed to be 
praying without ceasing. You all realize that? Let's think about that even driving in today, about how that we, uh, we pray without ceasing. I, I kind of do that. I, I'm always throwing up little prayers here and there. I, I would love to tell you I'm always like this. No, I, as I think of things, I pray. You know, I, I, I do that to help me to de- deflect. I can't carry the burden. God says, I'll take it. I don't know about you, I like taking them up on that offer. And, uh, and so if you will, you know, give them the first and the best of our, of our devotional time, the first and the best of our, our prayer time, maybe the first and the best of our, of our service. Um, any, how many gardeners do we have? Do we have most, a lot of gardeners? We got a, I got a few, really, not very many gardeners. More than want to raise their hands. It looks like about half of us at least. And I will tell you this, I think you all know that you all like that first crop when that first comes. I mean, I don't know about you, we get excited about it. Uh, I, I always use, I always use uh, tomatoes for an illustration, but uh, eggplant. Anybody here plant eggplant? Some of you just recoiled here. Eggplants are a real hit and miss, aren't they? You either get more than you can use or you get none. And, uh, and, and so if you ever plant eggplant, I'm always so excited to get that first eggplant, you know, and... Yeah, you don't like eggplant? Why you grow them then? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's hard to read faces up here sometimes because I'm, I'm talking about eggplant. She's just all charismatic. Yeah, that's right. You want to eat it? She's like, oh. <laughs> I'm tattling on you, but that's funny. Uh, but anyhow, you guys understand. And then you have that whole harvest season. Well, hopefully it lasts for as long as you can. And I don't know about you, but you guys know what season we're in now. We're in the either your garden is dead or you're hoping something's still alive after the frost today. And uh, you're in the gleanings. Uh, Mindy, last night making chili, she says, I still got a couple peppers out there in that garden. So she went out and got the last of the peppers to take and to put in the chili. But to be honest with you, when you pick those, that's, that's going to be it. I think uh, she even she even found, I don't know how many of y'all see this, but because of the, I don't know what else to call it, but the Indian summer that we've had, we've got things budding and, and flowering again. And uh, some of the, the pepper plants had started to flower again and, and put on buds. We had lilacs over here today. I don't know if y'all saw that. But having said that, by and large, everything's dying. As soon as we get our hard frost, everything will die. And, and then the harvest season is over, okay? And so, you know, when we're young, we really need to give ourselves into growth and into service for the Lord. You know why? I'm going to let you know a little secret, and the old people may or may not have enough energy to amen. (laughs) But you have a lot more energy when you're young. And you have, to be quite honest with you, you have more disposable time when you're young because you have less responsibilities and so, can I just tell you, don't, don't grow up to do things for the Lord. Give that first fruit. Give your best. Give, your, give the very best of that. And so, when he talks about faith, he's talking about that faithfulness, okay, not just that people would believe in him, but uh, that people would be faithful, okay, and, and then have those seasons of harvest. If you're in that middle where you're working, and, you know, that's just the way it is. But note, note this. How many of y'all know that in the world today, we're gleaning? Well, what's that tell you then? It, it tells you that it's towards the end. 
So when Jesus comes, shall he find faith on the earth? And so he's literally trying to take and he's trying to say, listen, it's, it's, getting, it's getting a little thinner. It's getting a little thinner. It's getting a little later. It's getting a little closer. And so thinking about that. So that we need to perceive our situation. That's the situation we're in. Now, uh, notice, if you will, that uh, uh, first off, in, in verses 1 through 3, it talks about the uncaring institutions. There's a court that doesn't care. I will tell you this. Do you, uh, you guys know this, but uh, is, is, is America a Christian country? Can we say this, and I say this lovingly as somebody who loves my country, uh, I think we used to be a Christian country. When did we cease to be a Christian country? I mean, somebody give me a, when they threw Para out of school, what came after that? They took Bible out of school. And to be quite honest with you, then they started putting things in that don't belong, their evolution. Can I tell you, uh, how many of y'all know the Scopes Monkey Trial? Have you guys heard of that? You guys don't know what I'm talking about. Do you know? Okay. This, the Scopes Monkey Trial, just so that you know, is um, there was a famous movie called Inherit the Wind. Anybody ever seen that? They actually, uh, that's kind of a false movie because it doesn't uh, show historically what happened. A man named John Scopes, I can't remember what state it was in, but a man named John Scopes, was arrested for teaching evolution in the classroom, okay? And they held a trial, uh, some famous lawyers on both sides, and if you watched the Inherit the Wind movie, you would think that the Christians were the fools and lost the court case, but that is not true. The Christians won the court case, and he was held, he was held guilty for teaching uh, evolution in the classroom, okay? And uh, so I'm just telling you, it wasn't all that long ago that Christians were winning cases saying, hey, we don't want that garbage taught in our classroom. And yet today it's the complete opposite, is it not? Here's the thing that ought to concern you. I was reading an article from 2015, so that's eight years ago. And um, there is, I don't need to give you all the details, but there's a, a think tank, people with money, and they would give away upwards of $350,000 to certain institutions to teach evolution to Christians in our seminaries, and guys are coming out of seminary today teaching evolution to their churches. And so folks, if you think it's the end of times because we've taken God out of the classroom, whenever I give you illustrations that they're starting to take God out of the churches, folks, that's, that's, not, an over, that's not an exaggeration. You literally have pastors today that are teaching that God used evolutionary methods to create the heavens and the earth. Meaning what? Well, folks, if it took more than six days, it's evolutionary. And so you say, well, boy, I just don't know how you can believe that God can do all this in six days. And I look at him and say, I don't know how you could not believe it. Why? Because the God who gave us our Bible, okay, said in the beginning, I did all this, okay? By the way, just so you can see it, here's how Christians get around that who want to believe in evolution. Go to Genesis chapter 1, please. Genesis chapter 1. And the Bible says, in the beginning God created the, what's the Bible say? I'm going to make a point here. 
if anybody here does not have a King James Bible, your Bible probably says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible does not say heavens and earth, it says heaven, okay? Meaning he, he created space and matter, okay? That's important, okay? Because he didn't create the heavens until the fourth day. Is that important? Okay. Verse 2, the Bible says this. It says, And the earth was without form and void. Well, that was because of a great battle between Satan and the pre-Adamic race of men. I mean, you can see that there, right? It's called the gap theory. Meaning that they, they couldn't explain an earth that looked millions of years old or a creation that looked millions and billions of years old and justify the verses that follow saying that God did it in six days, okay? Matter of fact, they would say God is confused, and those days mean ages, okay? Matter of fact, in other Bibles, instead of saying first day, it says one day. Is there a difference between the first day and one day? It's kind of the difference between a virgin and a maiden. Is there a difference between a virgin and a maiden? Both can be young ladies, but both are not the same. Everybody understand that? And so it's the same thing here. In other Bibles, a lot of people, you say, I, why, why do you take such a strong, strong stand on the King James Bible? I tell you why. At the end of the day, you don't have to feel like you've been deceived. You might have some difficult things to take and to try to study, but can I tell you this? The other Bibles are just as difficult to understand. Okay? And so, by the way, you can't understand this unless the Holy Spirit guides you. Okay? So to truly understand, you've got to be saved. And so they would say either that there's a gap there of millions of years, or they would say day-age theory. And that's why other Bibles say instead of first day, second day, third day, it says day one, day two, day three. Again. Excuse me, again, is there a big difference between day one, day two, day three, and first day, second day, third day? There can only be one first day. Amen? There can only be one second day. Here's the other thing. Do you think God knew what he meant? Well, then let's go to Exodus chapter 20 and see if God knows what he means. Exodus chapter 20. And the Bible says... In verse 10, okay, verse six, 9, excuse me, verse 9, it says, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Now, how many of y'all know what six days are? I think it's real important when it comes to your pay card. How many of y'all understand what six days are? Okay. <laughs> and the Bible said in verse 10, it says, But the seventh day is, is the Sabbath of the Lord. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that, is in, all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Did God think he did it in six days? Okay. So here's the thing. If God says he did it in six days... You can try to explain chapter 1 away all you want to. God said, I did it in six days. Well, it all depends on what you define a day as. Well, I'm not going to argue with people who... Can I just tell you this? The Bible says, answer a heretic twice and then give up. That's what the Bible says. Answer a heretic twice and then give up. 
Why? Because you're not going to persuade them if they're not persuadable. Okay? When God says this, shall I find faith on the earth? Think about the things that are that in the world has taken faith from our society. Okay? But think about uh, uh, what is beginning to take faith away from our churches. It's impacted their Bibles. It's impacted their preachers. Come on now. And so, shall I find faith on the earth? Does that make it important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it? Yes, sir? Amen? You all with me? Well, why? Because we're, well, for one thing, we're supposed to give an answer to every man that asketh us the hope that lies within us. Amen? And if you will, um, um, we're supposed to be fully persuaded in our own mind. Amen? Okay? But having said that, if everybody turns from the faith, who's going to point them to the faith? And I just said, you're fighting against some churches, and I hate to say it this way, because I'm not trying to say we're the only ones, because we're not the only ones. There are good churches in this country. But folks, there's a lot of bad churches too. And they don't take a stand on the Bible. And they don't take a stand on the truth of six days. And you say, well, how could anybody do that? A lot of you are thinking, no, surely people don't do that. I'm telling you, people do that. Okay? And so Jesus is the one that asked the question, shall I find faith on the earth? Let me ask a question. Why do we have this book here? Why do we have it? That's what we do with it. Very good. What would you say? Okay, that's what we use it for. Yeah, very good. To allow God to speak to us. Okay, you guys are misunderstanding the question. Why do we have this book here? God gave it to us. Did he promise to preserve it? He did promise to preserve it. And anybody that takes and attacks it, their premise is somebody messed it up. And we have to fix it. Please take this the right way. Do you realize that this book was entrusted to the church? That's why we have this book today. Is because the church held to what was true and they kept teaching it. It doesn't matter what seminaries teach their preachers. It doesn't matter the 125 plus other versions that are out there. And there are 125 plus versions of this book in the last century. Okay? And some of the things I just told you are things you can find immediately. Boom. Does it say days or does it say first day? Does it say day or does it say first? Okay. It's, gonna, it's, it's significant, right? Um, and so my point is this, is if we don't get settled on it, and if we don't practice it, how can we hope for the next generation to have anything to believe when Jesus comes. Amen. And it's not the school's job to do it. It's our job to do it. So what does that mean we need to do? Not only do we need to give the first, but we need to give real effort to knowing what we believe and why we believe it. Is there anything that we believe that's hard to explain to some of your Christian friends? You know, every, just about every head's going like this. And can I tell you this? The Bible says they deserve an answer. And the answer can't just be, well, pastor taught me that. By the way, 
Hopefully you got a pastor who will teach you right. Okay? And you can't just say, well, that's what my parents taught me. Especially young people. Can I say this? You need to know why you believe what you believe. Okay? Now, when you're a kid, young person, no goats in this church. Okay? But when you're a young person, a lot of times you have to follow the rules of your parents. Okay? You have to follow the rules of institutions that you're, okay? But there's coming a day where you're going to answer for what you believe and what you stand for. Okay? And Jesus again asked the question, shall I find faith on the earth? Can I say my answer? If I have anything to do about it. If I have anything to do about it, I'm going to do all I can to live my faith, to learn my faith, amen, and to proclaim my faith. Let other people know, this is why I believe in the King James Bible. This is why I think it's important for you to be in church. This is why I believe it's important for you to have um, separation standards. I believe this is why you should whatever. By the way, Bible should only be blue, right? Huh? No, I, I, we're going to go to blue. Is that okay? Thank you. Double fist. Don't fight about things that don't matter. But guys, there are some things that matter. And we better be giving God our best and figure out what it is to try to make a difference. And if we can't make a difference on anybody else, I'm hoping to make a difference on my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, and I hope my great-grandchildren can find a place to worship the Lord in truth here when I'm dead and gone. Amen? Am I going to find faith when I come again? If we have something to do about it, Lord willing, I pray that we can. Let's all stand.